Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Let's, let's just stay standing and pray together for a moment. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is spirit and life to us. And we thank you that when we receive your word, we receive the spirit and we receive the life that is in your word. So we pray this morning that you would do something that we won't just hear from you, but you would do something here, Lord. Not just in the hearts of a few people, but in the whole body here, that you will, you will bring your transforming life and love into our lives in a new way for the glory and honor of your name. Amen. Please be seated. Yes, I have been here and there in recent weeks. Last week I was in Italy with all the churches that relate to us there under Pastor Giorgio's uh, leadership. It was the biggest conference that they've, they've ever had. I should think about 700 people uh, from their churches all over Italy. It was certainly the most powerful conference that they've ever had. And uh, God is doing a great thing. And, you know, they are so thankful over there for Kingdom Faith and all that people from Kingdom Faith have invested into their lives over the years. And it's so good to see how their churches are growing, more and more churches are being established, and that whole work of God is prospering. So we need to give thanks to God for that. Amen. I was uh, the speaker at the conference and I had sort of six one-hour sessions. I wish I had six one-hour sessions this morning uh, because I think we'd all go out of here different if, if we did, simply because of having the opportunity of hearing from God and letting him work in our lives. I'm always so conscious of, you know, the more time we give to God to work in us, the more he will do. It's, it's as simple as that. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking all about different gifts, as they're called usually of the Holy Spirit, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And then he says right at the end of the chapter this, and now I will show you the most excellent way. He's not saying that love replaces gifts, but the most important thing is that all the manifestations of the Spirit, everything that God does in the Spirit in our lives is done in love. So he says these well-known words, now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. It's interesting that when you read the Gospels, you do not see or hear of Jesus going around telling people that God loved them. There's nothing in all of his teaching until we come to him talking to the disciples at the Last Supper where Jesus talks 
about the love that God is going to pour into the hearts of people through the Holy Spirit. He reiterates the commands of the law to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. But that was, of course, under the law, you had to try to obey those commands in the power and strength or weakness, as you probably regard it, of your human love. The only statement that we have is that well-known statement uh, that God loved the world and so sent his son. That's the only real clue we have to what God was going to do in the disciples and therefore in the church by pouring out the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of love on the day of Pentecost. Now, this love, as you will know, is of a particular kind. In Greek, it's called agape, which was taking uh, a Greek word and making it, really setting it apart from all the other words that you can use in Greek for love. So it was in contrast to our human love, our love that is born out of emotion, out of feelings. It's also in direct contrast to the love that comes out of desire, especially sexual desire. So the agape love of God has got nothing to do with the natural feelings, natural emotions, natural desires. It isn't born out of emotion. It isn't born out of desire. It's born out of God. This is God's love. And so God, uh, Jesus makes it clear that this is love that is expressed in giving. There's, there's two ways in which you can easily understand agape. One is to understand that it's love in action, and that action is expressed in giving. So it's got really very little to do with feelings, emotions, desire. It's whether the love of God is put into action in our lives, and that action is expressed in giving, the giving of our lives, the giving of ourselves to God and to other people. Now, as he often does, Pastor Clive this morning uh, asked you, do you love Jesus? And people affirm yes. Well, how much do you love him? The answer to that is the measure of your love for Jesus is measured by the extent to which you have given of yourself to Jesus. And the way in which you love him day by day is expressed not in feelings, not in emotions, not in desire for the will of God or for anything else, but how far each day you give of your life to God and therefore to other people. That you cannot love God without loving your brother also. 
If you do not love those who you do see, John says in his first epistle, you cannot love God who you do not see. So it's, and he makes clear that that love is love in action. It's love that is expressed in giving. Now, if we just go through these verses that I read for a moment. If I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, it's well advertised among believers that if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then one of the manifestations of that spirit that will surely take place in your life is that you will speak in tongues. You will have a prayer language. But of course, God does not give the gift of his spirit to give you a prayer language. That's one of the manifestations of the spirit, but it's not his reason for giving the spirit. His reason for giving the spirit is to put into your life and my life the same love that is in God himself, that is in Jesus himself. This is the purpose of the Spirit. So Paul says that God has poured into our hearts the love of God by the Holy Spirit. God knows that we cannot actually fulfill his purpose without his divine love. So agape is divine love. It's not emotional love. It's not the love of desire. It's the divine love of God in our hearts and in our lives by the Holy Spirit. So we can speak in tongues and make a lot of a noise uh, when we worship and think, oh, this is wonderful, I'm really in the flow of the Spirit. But Paul is saying, if you are not giving of yourself to God and to others in love, then your speaking in tongues means nothing. You're just like a, a, a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. To God it means nothing. Why? Because the motive behind the gift of the Spirit is God's love. And the speaking in tongues is there to be, therefore to be an expression of that love. It's not a sort of a manifestation that is apart from that love, but like all the evidences of the Spirit in our lives, they're all to be expressions of love for God and love for other people. So then, Paul says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have great spiritual knowledge and appears to have great spiritual wisdom, if I accumulate knowledge of the scriptures and theological knowledge, but haven't love, then I'm nothing. Because God's purpose all the time is to reproduce his love. Knowledge does not give love. The Holy Spirit gives us the love, but then we have to express that love in the way in which we give of ourselves to God and we give of ourselves to one another. The giving of money, Paul, uh, Pastor Clive mentioned the um, uh, tithing just now. That's simply an expression of love because if we love God, Jesus says, we will obey his commands. So we, we give to him out of love, out of loving obedience. It's not, you know, there's no great virtue in doing it. We, of course, 
will always benefit from obedience to God. So when you're, you're true to him in, in, in giving of the tithe, he looks after your finances for you. Uh, and, and that's the way he works. When we are obedient to him, then he fulfills the promises that are attached to his commands. But obviously, even when we give the tithe and when we give any offerings over that, what matters to God is that we're not slavishly obeying the word of God, but we're expressing love for him. We're giving out of love into the work of his kingdom. We're giving out of love into any other ways to other people to whom we give or other uh, good cause, Christian causes to, to, into which we sow money. All the time, the motive is to be love. And then, Paul says, if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Now, you know, we... We know how important faith is. This is kingdom faith, church. And we've, we've just had a, a powerful time of prayer, praying for people to be healed. And, and we all say amen to that because God's purpose, desire for us is not to be sick, but he took all of our sicknesses as well as all of our sins to the cross so that we can be healed. But you see, what is faith? We, we know that Jesus often said, according to your faith, it will be done. And I think often when we are confronted with a healing need, um, sometimes people try to be in a place of faith and they want to be sure that the way they're praying is faith, that they're saying the right words and, and, and having the right sort of... Uh, attitude of faith. One of the things that God said to me a little while ago is there is no effort in faith. If you ever have to try to believe, you're not believing. There's no effort in faith. If you believe, there's just no effort, you believe. It's as simple as that. But you see, faith in what? We all know God is able to heal. So, the faith that Jesus is talking about when he says to people, according to your faith it will be done, it's not faith as to whether we believe God can heal or even whether that God will heal. It's essentially whether we have faith in his love. Do you believe that God loves you enough for you to be healed by his grace? It's not a question of, do you believe certain scriptures so that something will take place in your body? It's do you believe that God will give to you? His grace is an aspect of his love. If we have faith in God, then we have faith in his love. And if we have faith in his love, then we have faith in his willingness to give to us, not only healing, but to give to us in every possible conceivable way. Because, you see, he has already expressed that in giving to us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So those who live by faith, by true faith, will live by love. The motto of kingdom faith has always been since its inception, faith working through love. Statement Paul makes in Galatians. 
Faith and love go together. If you read the first letter of John, you see how he goes from faith to love, from faith to love, to faith to love, all the way through the epistle, and then brings the two together and makes it clear that God's purpose in our lives is to live by faith, but to live in love. And really, you can't separate the two. And this is what uh, Paul is saying here. If you have faith to perform many mighty miracles and, and move mountains, but you don't have love to God, it's nothing. Why? Because God is love. Now, another thing that God has been making very clear to us recently is that there's no harvest without holiness. But there's no holiness without love. You see, what God wants to do is to bring many people, a multitude of people, we're talking about hundreds and even thousands of people in the coming move of the Spirit into a body of love. A body that is a holy body that is dedicated and devoted to seeing the will of God outworked in the life, not only of individuals, but of the whole body. Into such a body, God wants to bring many, many who at this moment are in darkness and not walking in the light. Now, we're just beginning to see uh, the uh, sort of first fruits of that, but there is so much more to come. And therefore, it's a question of how far we are really prepared to give of ourselves to be the harvesters, to be those through whom God will work in order to bring many, many others into the kingdom of God. Then Paul says, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So if we do a whole lot of things out of good works, we know how Jesus had a, a purse of money to give to the poor. He was never poor himself. It's a total myth to think that Jesus lived in poverty. Jesus never lived in poverty at all. He had money to give to the poor. Uh, you can't imagine that the father would allow his son to live in poverty, would you? Uh, he came to share in the poverty of our humanity that is made clear, but that doesn't mean that he lived in need. Jesus never lived in need. He couldn't meet our needs if he lived in need himself, just as he, he couldn't um, forgive our sins if he'd lived in sin himself. No, no, Jesus, but Jesus had money to give as well as the gospel to give and, and the life and power of the kingdom to give, but whatever he gave, he gave in love. That's the point, that love was the motive behind everything he did. So Jesus didn't go around saying, Jesus loves you, God loves you, he wants you to know how much he loves you. He simply gave. He gave and gave and gave and gave. He did love. And of course, John, the apostle, was with Jesus throughout his ministry, and so he writes in his first epistle, let us not love with word and speech, but in deed and truth. He didn't say, let us not only love 
with word and speech. He said, let us not love with word and speech, but in deed and truth. Where did he get that from? He got that from Jesus. He observed Jesus for three and a half years. And he could see that everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did, came out of a heart of love. He wanted to give the truth. He wanted to give life. He wanted to give healing. He wanted to give blessing. He simply wanted to live, to give. Now, we are made in his image. And through the redeeming love of God in our lives, we have been born again and recreated in his image so that we can be like him. Whoever claims to live in Christ must walk as Jesus did. So that's what uh, the scripture says. So you can't try to be like Jesus, like you can't try to be in faith. But if that love possesses our hearts, we will simply live lives of giving, of blessing, of serving. So Jesus now has the highest place in heaven because he was the greatest servant on earth. And what is a servant? A one, one who gives, serves, does things in action. You wouldn't want a servant who never did anything. Hello? And, you know, there are people who misuse the scripture where, where it says, I no longer call you servants, now I call you sons. What the scripture means is not that we no longer serve, but we're sons who serve. That our identity, our relationship with God is not just as servants, but as children of God, as sons of God, as those who have him as our heavenly father, but we're sons who serve because we're like Jesus. Jesus was the, the son of God, the firstborn son of God who lived a life of service, a life of blessing, a life of giving. Now, John also says in his first epistle, I, I just invite you to go home today and read the first epistle of John. If you haven't read it recently, have a good read. Because he says... We only love because he first loved us. Now, you see, what Jesus made clear is that he didn't love in word. He loved in deed. So how has God loved you? Not because he whispers in your ear every morning, oh, child, I love you. I mean, he might say that. He says it to me every day. But that's not the basis and the substance of his love. How has he loved you? How has he loved me? Well, he's, he's loved me by forgiving me. He's loved me by making me totally acceptable in his sight. He's loved me by giving me new birth. He's loved me by giving me the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's loved me in all the ways in which he's blessed me by his grace. 
He's loved me by all the healing that I've received during the course of my life. He's loved me by giving me the anointing of the Holy Spirit that enables me to serve him in whatever ways he calls me to serve him. He's loved me by providing for me, providing for my family, providing for kingdom faith in miraculous ways sometimes over the years. But you see, he's loved me in all those practical ways. And he's loved you in all those practical ways. Because his love isn't emotion. His love isn't desire. His love is love in action. So he gives. He only desires us to be people that give and serve and love because that's the kind of God he is. So, you know, God really says to us, if you live in faith, you will live in love. If you live as a co-heir of Christ, knowing that you inherit everything with Jesus, then you will live in love because that's how he lived. And you will live in this love that blesses and gives and serves. Everything, everything that God does, he does in love. Now, another thing that he has been impressing uh, upon me recently is that by definition, God cannot do anything imperfectly or partially. Whatever he does has to be complete because he is complete. Whatever he does has to be perfect because he is perfect. So every way in which he expresses his love for us is perfect love, is complete love. So his love for you is perfect. There isn't another soul on the face of the earth that God loves more than you. Because you can't improve on the perfect. And God loves you perfectly. Whether you believe that or not is another matter. But from God's perspective, he loves you perfectly. He, his love for you is therefore complete. Now you may question his love, you may doubt his love sometimes because you're looking at experience instead of Jesus. You're looking at your feelings and emotions instead of at the truth of God's word. But whether you doubt lo his love or not, that never changes his love. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So every day of your life he loves you perfectly. He loves you in the same way. He can't love you less one day than another. Even if you sin and mess up, he still loves you perfectly. And he still wants to bring you back to the revelation of his perfect love for you. Hallelujah. But you see, just to go out into the world and say God loves you perfectly does not mean all that much to non-believers. Many of them think that they've sinned and messed up in their lives so much that God wouldn't want anything to do to, with them. So I'm not saying that it's a waste of time to say God loves you, but we've got to back that up with action. We've got to show how God loves them in action. And we've got to actually express that love. If we think we're going to see a harvest of people without giving of ourselves in love, then we're living in total unreality. We are going to have to give ourselves wholeheartedly to God for the harvest if we're going to see the harvest. But the fruit of that is that many people will be in heaven for all eternity instead of hell. 
Why? Because a body of people gave of themselves in love for God and therefore for others. So praise God. The measure we see God doing, are you listening? The measure we see God doing now is the measure of how much we're giving of ourselves to him in love. Because Jesus says, the measure you give is the measure you receive. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. Now, I believe the harvest is the good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, right? When we give of ourselves to God in the way that is necessary for harvest, we will see the good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, we're seeing more, praise God, because I believe God has been working in our hearts and lives, getting rid of stuff that is counterproductive to his love. You see, in freedom, some of you have been through freedom. Some of you have just been through freedom. What happens in freedom? You are set free from, some, from things that should never have been in your life anyway. Because those things are a contradiction to the love of God. Now, God did not condemn you. God did not judge you. God did not throw you out of the kingdom or throw you out of the church because of those things. He gently, lovingly, but firmly brought you to the point where he showed you those things were rubbish. Those things were actually having a negative effect upon your life and it's time to ditch them. It's time to say goodbye to them. It's time for all those things to be behind you so that what is in front of you is a life of love without those things that are a contradiction to love. Are we getting this? So you are set free by the blood of Jesus from everything that is a contradiction to God's love in your life. Now Paul goes on in this chapter, as you know, to then describe the qualities of this love. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, people have often come to me and said, Pastor, would you pray for me to have more patience? And I say, no. And they say, why not? I said, if I pray for you to have more patience, it wouldn't work. And they say, well, why not? I said, because patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not more patience you need, it's more of the Spirit of God in your life that you need. And if he's already given you the Spirit, then you're not giving space to the Holy Spirit in your life so that you can become more patient. Can you see that? Impatience is a sign that you are not walking in the Spirit at that moment. Hello? I used to be very impatient about queuing because I was so busy I didn't have time to queue. It used to really frustrate me. And then God said, well, pray for the other people in the queue, then you can use it positively. <laughs> so I began to do that. Now, if ever you want to know how you're getting on in the love stakes, always ask your husband or your wife or your children. They'll tell you. <laughs> the children will be more honest than even your husband or wife. But, you know, if your wife says you're getting more patient, then you're really getting more patient. So I've got the testimony of my wife to say that I'm more patient now than I used to be. Hallelujah. So all the glory goes to God for that. But, you know, my wife had to put up with the impatience until I became more patient. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Okay. 
So love is patient, love is kind. You see, there, there won't be this hardness and this severity. There won't be this self-righteous judgment of, of other people. Love is kind. Just think how kind God is to you. I mean, when you mess up, he doesn't judge you, he doesn't condemn you. He doesn't kick you around and slap you about and punish you. He, he just waits for you to come back to his way. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. I don't need to preach about this, do I? It's all obvious. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. You see, if we're relating to God for what we can get out of God for ourselves, we don't understand what it is to be a Christian. Yes, God will surely bless us, but then what does he say? The measure you give is the measure you get back. So the more you live to be a blessing to God, the more you live to be a blessing to others, the more you will be blessed. But if you sit around waiting to be blessed, nothing as much is going to happen. You'll be sitting around this time next year still waiting to be blessed. But if you get on with the business of giving, of loving, then God will measure back to you everything that you need. This is true even of... Um, uh, healing. I, I only once heard him speak because, of course, he belongs to. There is a generation that is older than me. <laughs> but I once heard Oral Roberts speak, and I always remember because, of course, he had was world renowned for his healing ministry. And I always remember one of the things that he said: as soon as you're sick, get a piece of paper, write down the name of every sick person that you know, and start to pray for them every day. Now, there is somebody who would, I think, be recognized as one of those with one of the most powerful healing ministries that the world has seen in recent generations. But you see, he understood the principle. You sow, then you reap. You give, then you receive. You don't just pray to receive, but you give to receive. Amen? It's not that you're earning your healing, it's just that you're putting yourself in the mode of reception. You, as you give, so you are in the place where you are able to receive what God wants to give. Can you understand? You're not earning his blessings. You're simply making it possible for you to receive the blessings that by his grace he wants to pour into your life. <clears throat> Love is not easily angered. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you know if you're an angry person, what you need is more of the Spirit in your life. Not just say, oh Lord, take this anger away. No, no, no. More of the Spirit and there'll be less anger. Hallelujah. So the more you submit to the life of the Spirit. It keeps no record of wrongs. Whew. Yeah, come on. Keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, why do people... Of take offense and even leaving churches take offense because they keep records of wrong. There's no love. They don't love. Instead of loving and being merciful and so on in the situation, even if they have been hurt, even if somebody has done something uh, you know, that offends them, what do we do? We don't keep record of wrongs. We forgive. We bless. Amen? Because you see, once you have forgiven then you no longer suffer the hurt of what was done to you. 
I have seen the evidence of this. Uh, there's no time for me to go into lots of detail. But even with people with really, really deep offensive things that have happened to them, such as rape and, uh, and really total rejection, that as soon as they've forgiven the people, they no longer suffer the negative consequences of that event. The event still happened, sure, but they no longer suffer because of that. This is the power of forgiveness. Because you see, when God forgives us, he removes all guilt. And when we, re when we forgive others, the shame of whatever happened is, is, is removed. Hallelujah. God is so good. So love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. So you know when, when your brother or sister, something who you don't particularly care for, something happens to them, you don't think, ha, 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 ha. No, 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 no. This is your brother or sister in Christ. What do you mean you don't care for them? You love them. Hallelujah. Amen. Even if, even if you don't know them, even if you don't like the look of them, you still love them. Amen. Because you see, this is the thing. Emotional love is selective. The love of desire is selective. God's love is not selective. If you have the love of God in you, you love everybody, even your enemies. See, Jesus, <laughs> people can't understand how Jesus could, could teach, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. But he did that, you know, they were nailing him to the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. He lived his own teaching. So, <clears throat> love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. When your brother gets healed, even if you're not yet manifesting the healing, you still rejoice. You don't say, hello, what about me? Well, rejoice in the healing of your brother and your sister. Then see what I will do in you. Hallelujah. It always protects. You protect one another. You hear anybody, anybody at all who dares to criticize anybody connected with kingdom faith, you stand up for them. You say, no way, you're talking about my brother or sister in Christ. You hear anybody who criticizes Pastor Clive or me or any other leadership, you say, no way, I'm not even listening. I'm not even listening. I love those leaders, I love those men because love always protects. I mean, you, you know what it is. A, a mum is told that her little darling is causing problems at school. She, you know, and the, and the, and the principal wants to talk to mum about the little darling. She will defend her little darling because this is her little darling. It's family, Right? She will stand up. She will stick up for the little darling, even if he has been a blighter. She will still stand up for him. But we're family. This is the family of God. Amen? So we will defend one another. We will protect one another. Yes? It always, always, always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. 
always looks to the future with positive attitudes. Always perseveres. And then this classic climax to this description of love. Love never fails. Hallelujah. Love always triumphs. As, as many of you know, my family and I, we lived in community for many years. And we had some really, really difficult characters who came to, to live with us really for the healing of their lives. People that had never known love, people who were determined to try to prove that they were unlovable. They would go out of their way to be as objectionable as possible to try to prove that nobody could love them. And I can stand here and say that in every one of their lives, love never failed. It wasn't that we ministered to them or criticized them or sat them down and gave them good talkings to. We simply loved them. And, and you know, when they did objectionable things, I would say to them sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter what you do to try to reject our love. We're just going to go on loving you. And in the end, love wins. Hello? In the end, love wins. Love never fails. If, because it's the love of God. It's the agape love of God. Now, beloved, if you have received the Holy Spirit, that love is in you. You've got your human love, but don't mix up your human love and this agape love. They're two distinctive things. Oh, they interact in some ways. But you have not emotional love, not desire in your heart, but the love of God has been put into your heart by the Holy Spirit according to the word of God. That means you are able to love whoever God puts in front of you with the love of God. But it means also that you can only do that because of the way in which God has loved you. And you know, he expresses that love every day of our lives. Whenever I pray in, in, in the mornings, in the early mornings, when I, I have my time with listening to the Lord, he always calls me my beloved son. My beloved son. He, he loves me. I don't deserve that love. I can't understand that love. I can't understand why God should love me. I can't understand why God should ever have called me. I can't understand why God wanted to save me. But I'm very thankful for all those things that he did that and that he did it out of love for me. I couldn't earn his love. I, I, I couldn't deserve his love. But he loves me. And that's why you have to love me. Because if he loves me, you jolly well have got to love me. <laughs> and if you don't love me, then you're saying that God made a mistake in loving me. But it's the same for every believer, isn't it? I mean, I'm no special, nothing special in that. This is what God's attitude is towards every believer. My beloved child. You are his beloved child. Now, 
where people sometimes go wrong is that they evaluate God's love by the circumstances of their lives. That means your faith is in your circumstances, not in God. Amen? God is greater than our circumstances. The love of God is much greater than the circumstances, even the worst possible circumstances you could imagine. God's love is much greater. That's why when we trust in his love, he takes us through those difficult circumstances. Sometimes I think there are periods when just about every Christian that I've ever met goes through a kind of tunnel. You know, you're walking with the Lord and then you, you go through a tunnel. When you're in a tunnel, everything goes dark. And when you're in a tunnel spiritually, you can lose the sense of God's presence. You can lose the sense of, uh, of the reality of God even. You really are going by faith by what you have known of God. Because at that moment, while you're in the tunnel, everything just seems so black and so dark. But when you've had any experience of God, you know that he always will bring you through the tunnel and out into the light. All you've got to do is keep trusting him, keep trusting him, because in his love, he's not going to leave you stuck in the tunnel. In his love, he's going to bring you out. And when he brings you out of the tunnel, you come out with a stronger faith than you had when you went into the tunnel because now you've had to trust him in a new way, in a different way, often in a more profound way than you ever had to trust him in the past. Hallelujah. Now, I believe that the vast majority of us here have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you haven't, you can just ask somebody to pray for you and and God will baptize you in the Holy Spirit because uh, that's what he wants to do out of his love. He, he says, ask and you will receive. The, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we only have to ask. But most of you will have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means that you, can't, you, you, you not only can speak in tongues, you not only can prophesy and see other manifestations of the Spirit, but you can love with God's love. You have received a baptism of love. And, and I, we're going to stand in a moment and we're going to pray for a release of that love through our lives in a new way. Now, how is that going to work? If we have a release of that love, it doesn't mean that we are looking for an experience. Whoa, 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 I got it. That was it. Woof. Woo. Wonderful. There are people who think, you've got to do something. And then you have received a fresh. No, 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 no. I mean, if you do that, God bless you. If you don't do that, God bless you. I mean, but that's got nothing to do with the release of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If there's a release of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's what we're going to see happening in the way in which we are able to give, the way in which we're able to serve, the way in which we're able to bless. We will have actually the motivation to do that, but we will also have the ability to do it 
we will want to do it and we will do it, whatever it is. But that it expresses his love. It's love for God, but can you, un- you must understand that scripturally speaking, you can only truly love God by loving other people. That if you do not love other people, you do not love God. The scripture is so clear about this. That, you know, if you love, then you love, you love anything that moves, really. I mean, you know, you, you love, you even love your enemies, but you love. You love because you love. And you can't, you don't switch on and off this love. You don't make it selective. That's human love is selective, but not God's love. So we're going to pray for a fresh release of God's love. But I encourage you to pray for that regularly. I pray for that regularly in my life. Lord, I want to see a fresh release of your love, more of the release of the spirit of love in my life. Does that ring any bells with you? Come on, let's all stand then. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Now, first of all, let's thank God for his love. Thank him that while you were still a sinner, God loved you. And he expressed that love in giving his son to die on the cross. God loved the world and gave his son. Hallelujah. Thank him that he's loved you in calling you to belong to him, in making you his child. Wow, a child of God. I mean, just think of it. You are a child of the one who created the universe. Hallelujah. You're in his family, chosen, chosen specifically, specifically chosen by God according to scripture, to belong to his family. He chose you. You didn't, you didn't become a Christian by accident. It wasn't your idea. It was his idea. You responded to his idea. It was his will long before it was your will to become a Christian. So just thank him that this is the will of God. And that he is your eternal father. He's your everlasting father. And he's given you everlasting life. So you will always be his child. Not only in this life, but for all eternity. For all eternity you will belong to him. Come on, that's worth thanking him for, isn't it? This is the measure of his love. Hallelujah. I mean, what? What does it matter when sometimes there's challenges that we have to go through in this life? When we have this eternal love, we have this eternal life, we have the the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven within us. By his love, hallelujah, that we're co-heirs with Christ through his love. Oh, praise you, Lord. Are you really thankful? I can't hear much thanksgiving up here. Let's really be thankful for that love. Thank you, Lord. This amazing love. This amazing love. This amazing love. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for this amazing love. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. And Lord, I want to love you. 
I really want to love you. I want to express that love for you in the way I give myself to you. Lord, I, that, that's the only way I can, I can really express love for you, by, by giving myself to you and giving myself to others. So, Lord, I, I, I make this fresh surrender of my life to you this morning, to your love, that your love will be reflected more fully in my life. I give myself to you for that, Lord. And I pray for all my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. I pray that every one of them at this moment is giving themselves more fully to you so that more of that love can be released through their lives. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, so I give myself in whatever way will serve your purposes to other people. That I will love you by loving them in in as far as I personally am concerned, in, in my life and my ministry and the ways in which you call, call me to serve others. But I pray, Lord, for all my brothers and sisters here, that every one of them will love people according to the specific callings you have upon their lives, that they will love those that you place in front of them. You will love, they will love especially those whom you are calling them to serve, to bless to witness to, whatever, whatever, to pray for. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that everything is going to come out of this love. Oh, Lord, that we won't only speak the truth to people, but we'll always speak the truth in love. Just like your word says, hallelujah, that we won't judge others, we won't condemn others, even those in the world that live lives of deep, profound sin. But Lord, our attitude will always be of love, even towards our enemies, even towards sinners, Lord, that we will love sinners because surely we will not be able to witness to people we judge. We can only be witness to those we love. So, Lord, I thank you that we're going to love people that we've never loved before. We're going to love in ways we've never loved before. We're going to love more than we've ever loved before because of the abundance of your love that is poured into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. So I pray, Lord, for this fresh release of love in this body of Christ. Oh, Lord, that I thank you for all the love that is already here. I thank you for the ways in which people do love one another and do serve one another and do bless one another and do give to one another. Lord, I'm not being negative at all. I thank you for all that you've already worked. But, Lord, we want more of that love more of that release of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we believe that we will see more fruit. Hallelujah. We will see more people being saved. We will see more disciples being made. We will see more church congregations planted in these coming months and years. All because, Lord, we just give ourselves to you in love. And your love pours through our lives like a river of living water. And we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Now, I believe it would be good for us just to finish with an expression of love for one another. Now, there are two ways in which we could do that. We could say, give me a charismatic hug to tell me that you love me. Or we could say, to those alongside us, please tell me any way in which I can ever serve you or help you. Which of those two things do you think would be the more profitable? The latter. Okay, let's do the latter then, shall we? 
Just say to those either side of you. Okay, 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 okay. Now, I want you to understand that you have just done a very profound thing. Because you see, one of the things that restricts the love of God really abounding among God's people is that often you have a need that nobody else knows about because you've never told them. And we can have that independent attitude. You see, Jesus says you are to love one another as I have loved you. So we've got to love one another in the same way as he's loved us. But you see, if you love one another, you give and receive. And you see, love is not proud, so we don't get all proud and say, it's all right, I'll work it out for myself. No, if you need someone to pray for you, to help you, to serve you, to bless you, to give to you in some way, let them know. Let someone know. Let your small group leader know. Let one of the pastors know. Let someone know. Amen? Because how can anybody help you if nobody knows? Amen? And when somebody tells you that they need help, then there's your opportunity to bless God as well as to bless them. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've called us to live these lives of holy love, of agape love, of the love of God. And we thank you, Lord, that that's love in action, that's love that's so practical. And thank you that we're going to give that love and also be prepared to receive that love for the glory and honor of your name. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.